Yeah, thank you. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to First Friday. We're going to continue the, our series on changing your mood. Tonight, I get the honor of speaking on anger, which if you know me, probably if you know me, the outside, I'd like to portray a nice, calm personality, one that does not get anger, get angry too much. But God has taken me on a journey. It's interesting for those that don't know that as we get these series together, we do have a, um, an advisory committee where there's a couple of the young adults that we like to hear from them. And then Renee and I, as we process and get, gather what, what is being said, what, what you guys are the pulse, we pray over it and then we get the series together and then we, get a, we pray into to see who, who speaks. As we were doing that this time, Renee said to me, she was like, I think we need to put you in the, in the lineup as the speakers. And I was feeling it too, so she was moving in the spirit. I was moving in the spirit. And then she said, handed me the list, and she said, why don't you go over and you pick out which one, which topic you think God is leading you to. I thought it was a trick question because I only saw one, and it was highlighted, and I thought she did that on purpose, but little did I know that it was the spirit. And when I said anger, she said, yeah, that's exactly the one that, um, that God, she thought I should speak on. So that's not really a compliment coming from your wife, thinking that you need to speak on anger. But I did have an anger issue. And notice what I said. I said I did have an anger issue. I think it's time that we start acknowledging who we are and not what, our, what we were and not our past. I think many, too many times we, we, want, or we are defined by our past and we live in that. Even though we think and we want to be different, you are different. That's the past, and it's time to start. So I did have an anger issue. God has taken me on a journey, um, even just recently, and even just within the last 10 to 12 years. So a lot of this, my outcome of this is my last 10 to, 10 to 12 years where God has gotten a hold of me and my, went from head knowledge to heart knowledge, and now um, I got a release, release in that. So I'd like to start by going back to Gary Groff in sixth grade, the little elementary school kid who growing up, we never, we never talked about our feelings. We never, we, it was always pent up. We didn't know how to express it. And so sixth grade, it's time for lunchtime. I hated and loved lunchtime all at the same time. I loved to eat, so I loved, it was great, it was lunchtime. I got to do what I did best. And except there was this one person who just that sixth grade year, he moved into the area. I, he was kind of like what we would call now bullies. Like I wasn't aware that there was a, a bully phrase or tag back then, but it was. And I unfortunately was the culprit of that, that when we were standing in line, I'd get either pushed around or got butt in line or he would bump me, always, always nagging me. He knew I couldn't do anything because he even told me they were the taunts that he gave me because he saw my mom who wore a covering. So growing up in the Mennonite church, he even made comments of what, what can you do? You can't do anything. You're a religious church going person. You can't do anything. I started to believe that. I was raised that way in the Mennonite church. Peace at any price. That's what I heard coming from my household. So we, we, we took that wrong by thinking that peace at any price meant, well, okay, 
do what you want to. Here I am. Have your way. You can go in. You know, I didn't know how to respond. Now, the next day, happened again. Oh, and when I, when I would push back, there was one time I remember I did push back. I got scolded. The teacher looked at me and said, you're going to have to straighten up or you'll go to the end of the line. So again, that played into that. There was a bitter root that started there too. Like, so when I do stand up to defend myself, you're going to get shut down or you're going to, so I never, you play that into what, what the way I was raised. Plus now I'm being told that as well, except I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do with that. The next day at lunch, it started again. And I thought I gently asked him, please don't. And when he did, the next thing I know is I grabbed him, threw him up against the wall, and had my arm, had him pinned up against there, up against the wall. There was a couple of emotions all of a sudden came flooded. I was like, oh, cool, this felt really good. <laughs> the girls behind me are going to be really impressed. I love this. To all of a sudden, like, oh, crap, now what do I do? What's he going to do? What's the teacher going to say? What's my parents going to say? It felt good to finally have that release, even though I... I'd never verbalized anything. So then we take that to high school. I still don't know how to talk or how to communicate. But when I would play sports, any kind of sports, I would, I'd get lashed. I would, you're going to foul me or you're going to bump me around? Fine. Even Renee, it's when, I, when I met Renee and um, played basketball with her, with her family, they were like, there's two, there's two Garys. There's the sports Gary and there's the normal Gary, <laughs> which in a way was kind of a, I guess, a backwards compliment, I guess. Because when I do play sports, I do. I'm very competitive. I get aggressive. But back then, it was, it was more of, it's my way to finally, it was a release of getting of that pent up that I couldn't talk about. Plus then, if somebody's going to foul and they're going to, you're going to be that person that complains about the fouler, Watch out, because I'm going to foul you. Like, and if I'm going to, you're, you're going to get it twice as hard as me. But I would never say anything, because I would never, you're not supposed to speak it. You know, and I'd, I'd never realized, and I'd, back then, I still didn't think that I had an anger issue, because I never got to the real root. Because growing up, like I said, I was in a, in a Christian Mennonite home. Great parents, love them. But they parented out of what they didn't know or what, they, I guess that's a nice word. They, they, they did their best. But it was very, I never saw it modeled how to, how to talk, how to, to handle conflict, how to handle when something, when you were wronged. I saw how to respond and talk about the person and what it does in a home. So at, at work, if something would happen, they would come home. They wouldn't say anything, but I would hear how bad that person was. Plus then you add up growing up, because we were in a, Christ, in a, in a Christian home, it was, we knew all the Bible verses that anger, anger was, and they made it, it was like anger was a sin. So anything that even resembled anger, whether it was even, 
even frustration or any kind of resentment or frustration or anything that looked like anger was sin. So I was a bad person because that's what I heard. That person who who flew off the handle, that was the bad person. I was not, I never voiced it. I never, um, never lashed out. Because we even, I didn't, never knew exactly how, how to voice or even talk. So even with my sister, we would get in conflicts, but I never talked about it. So I would just leave the room or, or go do, do something to try to get rid of my frustration with her. As we got married, a couple, um, this goes back to about 10 years ago, and this is kind of where the journey got, really got started for me, that um, we went to, we have a cabin, and we went on a family, on a family trip. This was a built-up, you got to understand, we're now, it's probably about 10, 12 years ago, so we've been married a while, but all those years of my fam of growing up with my family, there was an incident that happened like the week before that led up to something happened. I still can't even tell you what that incident was other than when it happened that weekend. All the emotions from way back from when we were childhoods until now, I opened my mouth to address something came out like a time, like just like a bomb and it exploded and kind of like a landmine. It left people wondering like, what was that? What happened? Who is this person? Like what got a hold of Gary? Like he was that quiet, quiet person. Like there's no way, but it was years of frustration and anger that, that all of a sudden came flooding out like, like a time, like a time bomb left with the feeling like, what do we do? Even to this day, unfortunately, 12 years later, we're still kind of dealing with those issues or, or trying to feel each other out because of what that did. It is not healthy to sit on and to talk, to not talk things out. Had I addressed some things that we should have addressed it would have been a calm, a calm weekend. We could have dealt, dealt with them. And also, the response was not trying to find out who was right and who was wrong, because ultimately, I was, my response was wrong. I was trying to point it on, put it, everything and put the blame on my sister and her husband. Even though they hit my trigger point, my response was still was still wrong. Growing up, like I said, one of the verses, Proverbs 29, 11, it says, a fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. I felt like I was the wise man because if I was if we would get into a con confrontation or anything, I would never speak. So I was the wise man because I was hold, I'd hold my tongue, and you were the you were the fool. I I could play that in, or even Proverbs twenty one twenty three. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. I guarded my mouth. I never talked. I never even spoke up. 
but it was a heart, it wasn't a heart change, it was a head knowledge. I knew these verses, and that's what I, and I was trying to do that, but because, because I wouldn't speak, I wasn't doing it to be wise, or to, because I loved that person, I was doing it because I didn't want you to think badly about myself, or I didn't want you to think that I was the fool for speaking up. But if you go back to that cabin weekend, I guess we know who the fool was that weekend. I would acknowledge, yes, that was me. <laughs> and unfortunately, too many times we go after, we try to correct and go after anger itself and try to, because I knew that within my family, anger was wrong, so we would try to address anger. What if anger is just a warning light to your body, much like a warning light, like you, each one of us that have a car, there's a warning light that, that we have that comes on to let it, supposed to let us know that there's something, something going on. It'd be kind of foolish or funny if you'd go to your mechanic or if I'd call Jordan and say, hey, this light came on, can you change that bulb so I could get rid of that light? And I think many times that's what we do to anger is we try to go after the anger instead of that warning light, that red, red light with the water. It's because you might have to add some cold water to your coolant so, or to your radiator because you need cooled down. Or it might mean pulling the car into the garage, hooking it up to the computer system to diagnose that there's something internally happening and going on, much like with us. We need to step back. There's something, it's a trigger point. So let's look at what some of those, those trigger points are or root issues. You know, ultimately, I think, I think we could stem this back to way back to even before the garden. Wow, Satan, this is like, Satan was an angel at one point. Um, I know we, we find it in Ezekiel or Isaiah, sometimes talk about um, where he, Satan was actually an angel and he was in charge of the worship. He felt like he was equal to God and got, he got, got, got cast out and he took a bunch of his clonies with him. And then you, so you get into the garden because he felt like he was, God was holding him, holding back. And that's kind of where that, that root, that bitterness or that anger kind of gets set in because you think you're equal or you feel like you've been cheated or you feel like God's holding, holding back on something. That's what he does even in, in the garden with Eve. And, you know, it happens, it even happens today. And that's what happened with Eve was he tried to convince them that God was holding back. He has something, he doesn't really love you that much because he has something special or he's holding something out on you and he's really not what he says he is. There's, there's more than he doesn't really want you to, want you to have it. Um, insecurity is one of the, one of the many roots Tell, being told that you're not good enough. I was told many times by others that I'm not, I'm not good enough at basketball. I'm not good enough at either playing sports or playing, especially playing basketball or playing baseball as well. But, you know, looking back, those very people 
that would try to convince you that you're not good at that is usually the same ones that they also played shortstop, they also played center field, they were also the center in basketball. Their insecurity took me out, and so the insecurity can be, can, can, because I was insecure, then I would try even harder, and I get mad at the person that if they, if they stepped into the position that I had, then I'd get mad or I'd get frustrated with them. Would never verbally say it, but I would, I would lash out at them physically, like on the, in the sports field. Feeling violated or, or distress can cause, or inappropriate words. This can sometimes um, blatant physical harm. Sometimes it's also related to things that we call pet peeves. Pet peeve is another, another area, and that's one of, one of mine. I think the real definition for pet peeve is there's little things that make you angry. So you wouldn't never walk up, you wouldn't, you would not walk up to somebody and say, so what's that little thing that makes you angry? <laughs> no, we say, hey, what's your pet peeve? Well, one of those pet peeves for me is if I'm in a hurry, I'm driving to a meeting, and suddenly somebody in front of me feels the need and feels it's appropriate to drive 10 miles an hour under. In a no passing, with car, and whenever there is a passing sign, there's too many cars that you can't go around. Feels like they go slower. Yes, that is one of those things that make me, or pet peeve, sorry. Let me tell you, it happened to me, unfortunately. The response not to do is to write the letters 55 on a piece of paper and hold it at the dash so that they look in the mirror. <laughs> Just saying, and yes, that was me. When that happened, and as I passed them, I was so, I was thinking in my head, I am so glad I never had a Lifeway license plate in front of my van. So yes, that does show you that just happened probably within the last four years because I was in charge of trailer drivers and I had wanted to get, I thought about getting license plates for each one of the trailer drivers kind of as a, kind of a cool way, but it was like, but you know, it struck me, I was more concerned about what it would have looked like to Lifeway than it did my witness or my testimony to, to being um, for, for God. It, it, was a, it was sickening to think that. <laughs> but as, as those situations come up and as those warning lights come on, we're always left with, with a choice. That we can, that we have to how to respond. We can either respond in our man man flesh way or respond biblically. Um, there's a lady or one of the guys that I work with lives lives in lives in, in town, and he has to park his truck in, in like he doesn't have off street parking. They have on street parking, so you you park wherever it's open. And this one time he had to park his truck in front of like two houses down in front of this lady's house. He's known her for years, talked to him. You got to understand this is a brand new truck. Nice four wheel drive, sits really high. So the thing is huge. It probably takes up the whole parking space. Came in to, to work after the one weekend and had two key marks on down the side of his truck. 
discovered that it was the lady that lived in front of where he parked. Got caught on camera. It has all the, she denied it up and down. Even when the cops came to talk to her, took her into the, into the police barracks and sat with her, talked to her, still denied it. Even in front, even with the camera, still denied it until he called her out and he said, ma'am, you have a fish license plate and you have stickers of God and the cross on your car. So I know, I know you believe in God. I know you have a faith system. Then she broke and finally, and finally ad, ad, admitted to it. That was not a good example. I mean, that was the testimony and the chance for her to witness was not, was not good because even a cop, cop knew. As we're, we're left with those, with that, uh, that chance, James, James 1, 29, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must, must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Her anger did not achieve the righteousness of God. She was left, there is, we're left with many choices. Like Genesis 4, 6 to 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, just to kind of give you a backstory, if you're not familiar with Cain and Abel back in Genesis, these are the first two boys from Adam and Eve. They both brought an offering to the Lord. Abel's was, was, was good. Cain's was, God didn't, said it was not, it was not from the heart. It was not, not good. So Cain was angry at Abel. And because he was angry, this is now when, G, when the Lord says to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. When those anger situations come up, just like with that lady, she was left with a choice. Why didn't she? She could have easily, she's had a relationship with him, could have very easily gone down to talk to him, could have just figured, you know what, that's such a big vehicle. I know it probably was like blocked her view. She could have said that. Like, can you find, possibly find another parking space? Much like me. I didn't have to put that sign of 55 on there. Maybe I could have used that time, I don't know, to pray for that couple, that, that the Spirit would nudge them on faster. But anyway, we're left with, <laughs> we're left with, we are left with, with the choice. It does bring our choices, if we would make like she did, we make those wrong choices. They can bring physical harm, much like that vehicle, but it can also bring harm within each other as well, much like my incident with, with the cabin, we're still, reap, I'm still reaping from that. We're still trying to pick up the pieces. It's getting better, but it's still, I could tell, you know, it's been out of, out of sorts. But what about righteous anger? There is, there is righteous anger. Things, things, there is certain things that should should bring anger to you. You should get angry with sex trafficking, people sold into sex trafficking, and innocent lives being aborted on a regular basis. 
That kind of stuff should get you angry. However, our response going on Facebook and lashing out against what somebody else would you believe is not the proper, the proper way. It does not bring honor to God. It does not, how can you lashing out bring, bring somebody to Jesus? We need to ask the Lord to give us, to use that, that anger, what, what Satan tries to stir up in us as anger, let's ask God, let's use that anger and say, okay, how can we help? How can we go, can we help with, with the aborted? How can we, you know, use that, use that what Satan brings about for harm, God wants to use it, use it for good. So here are some healthy ways to deal with our anger or there's trigger points when it, when it comes up. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. In other words, don't sleep on it. Don't go to bed. And it, it means don't, don't, link, don't let, take it in a couple days the, the longer you have to process it, the longer you have to, to add to it. And that's what Satan wants to do is continue to, do, to add to it. Did you ever go to bed kind of half frustrated and you wake up in the morning, you're even more irritated and you're not even sure why? It's because you, it, it's what you're, the last thing that you went to bed with, it, it it's, has time to, you're processing it in the middle of the night. Plus Satan tries to keep going in there and agreeing, like, yeah, you're right, you really should be, man, and then brings up memories of, of past incidences and adds to it, and deal with it, move, try to not to let it, let it ling- linger more than a couple, than a couple days, if you have to, have to sleep on it, like, before you have an opportunity to talk to the person, yes, but don't, don't let it drag out for a very long time. Sometimes it means you might have to go talk to that person as well. It, it's a very uncomfortable. But let me tell you, the way I grew up and the way I try to operate now, so much more freeing. Address that person. There's nothing wrong with going up to that person one-on-one, privately, and, and talking to them, expressing how this incident or what happened, this is how it made me feel. If you talk about the way this is what it felt like or this is how it feels, you're not coming at them. I'm not saying to come at them and point the finger and accuse them and verbally lash out on them or going on Facebook or talking to your friends. If you could talk to your friends about them, let's talk to that person about it. And that's even a word for me, a conviction for me as well, to talk to that person even though it might be hard, trust me, it is much more freeing to be able to do that. It also means talking to, surrender it to the Lord. You might say, well, how do you surrender that? In your prayer time, some morning when you're praying or evening, whenever you've, you pray, or even in that situation, it doesn't have to wait till morning or evening, just bring it before the Lord and say, God, own it. Like, I am so sorry. I've, this happened. This is my trigger point. For me, it's this is my trigger point. It hit, he hit one of my trigger points. God, please forgive me for my reaction. God, I pray and pray blessing over that person. 
and say, God, I lift that situation up to you. You deal, deal with me as you're dealing with, dealing with this situation and then allow the spirit to move, to move through. And, you know, we often use that same scripture as Renee and I do marriage coaching. We often, as we use that, because Renee and I, we pray before, every night before we go to bed, we pray with each other. If I'm angry with her or frustrated, how can I be like, yeah, God, I thank you for letting you know. How can I go into a good prayer time with her and love her and then turn over, you know, being super, super angry with her? It means there is times that we often, if we're laying there, if something did happen, that means we've talked it out. We try to get things right, make sure things are right. And then prayer time is so much more, is so much more better. And nighttime becomes much more better as well. <laughs> um. <laughs> and it says not to give the devil an opportunity. An opportunity for what? I think I kind of addressed this a little bit. Not to give him the opportunity to, to continually to, to fester. Bad feelings start to, to come in. Um, and unfortunately, the longer that goes, you begin looking like him when we're supposed to look like our father, Abba Father, instead. But what does that look like? In Psalms 103, 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. God is full of love and he's compassionate. He loves each and every one of, each and every one of us. That's who we're supposed to Im imitate not the end, not not Satan, not himself. So as we as we fester, as we get frustrated, I'd I'd like to ask ask you to stand. First John two six. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. You know, John got a clear picture of what that looks like. This John who wrote 1 John is also the same John that wrote the, the Apostle John that wrote, wrote John, where he, he writes the, that he would have sat under Jesus' teaching when Jesus said, abide in me. This is what he, he lives this out. The one who says abides in him ought to himself walk in the same manner. If we abide in him, Let's show that when we're driving. Let's show that when we're playing sports. Let's imitate. Let's, if we say that we're Christians and we, we have a relationship with Jesus, it ought to look like that as we're, no matter what we do or where, or where we go. I'm going to finish with reading John 15, 4 to 11. I know it's a long set of scripture. And speaking on anger, you might say, what does, this, what does this section of scripture have to do with, with that? This set of scripture 12 years ago is what kind of got, 
got me straightened out. I know when, there's, when that trigger point comes up, it's because I'm disconnected. There's, it's the, the moment that happens, now I can catch myself. I'm not saying I'm walking in complete victory, but I can see now when that light comes on, I know I'm probably disconnected somewhere. This set of scripture is what kind of kept me, keeps me connected. And my prayer and my hope is that as I read through this, that it connects with you, that this is, that it's a connection. It may not, your trigger points may not be anger, but whatever it is, whatever those trigger points are, let me read through this and just, just stay in kind of a receiving mode too as, as you receive this, because this is also, if you have, if your Bible gets highlighted, these, these are red highlighted letters. So this is actually Jesus speaking when he was speaking to his, his disciples, where he says, abide in me and I in you. And as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so that you prove to me to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be complete in you and that your joy and that you may be full of joy. That is why. So let's bow our heads. As you recognize those warning lights, acknowledge where your anger is. Stay connected to Jesus as those warning lights come on. He loves, he lives inside of you. So you can ask him for help to be like him. If you have said yes to Jesus, he is inside of you and you can say yes and you can ask him and he will help. Maybe you're here tonight, you want that, you want that experience. You have, you're not even sure if he is inside of you. If you have not said yes to Jesus, I wanna first give you an opportunity to, but also if you wanna just get reconnected with Jesus and you know that there's warning lights, it might not be anger, but that warning light might be something else. Jesus is here tonight. So if this is your first time, I just ask, if you want to get connected, just feel free to re raise your hand. Nobody is gonna look around. Just, just raise your hand and say, yes, I would love to be able to experience that, to have somebody that I can connect with. Also receive, if you just want to stay connected with Jesus again, as I go into a time of prayer, let's just receive. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love us that you went to the cross for us and it's because of your love for us. 
God, we come to you tonight and acknowledge that we need you at every single day. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd come and fill us as we walk through this. God, as you bring up, as those warning lights come on, God, did you, you give us a way out? God, we thank you for that. We thank you that, that you can lead and guide us. Just fill them. Heavenly Father, I just now pray a blessing over each one of them. Just bless their time, bless their, as they go about their, their day and work tomorrow, just fill them. God, just confidently, just fill them with your love. May they, they know that they are loved in Jesus' name. Amen. So thanks, guys. There is, there is ministry time if you, if you want ministry. If not, feel free to mingle and gather. There's plenty of food out in the, um, out in the lobby. There's drink and coffee. And thank you for all that came tonight. Bless you.